0: We all feel fear, but we don't all experience fear in the same way. But when we change our perspective entirely, we decide that fear is a necessary means to an end. We'll explore this and more with who I think might be the most interesting man in the world. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. We have all had fear and sadness in our lives. It's a fundamental human experience. And for some, both of those feelings intersect at a low point and sometimes we stay there for others, like our next guest, both fear and sadness are the reasons happiness exists in the first place. Akshay Nanavati, author of the book, Fearvana and a Marine veteran is hands down the most interesting person I have probably met ever. His perspective on facing the fears that will lead into an internal evolution are just brilliant. His thoughts on achieving greatness are profound, and his personal story of finding his own path after battling addictions, well, actually, I'll just let you find out. Now, what does all this have to do with becoming a physician or finance? Well, you'll have to hear what Akshay has to say. So let's dive in. Akshay, I am so excited to have you here and so excited you agreed to be on the show. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well,
0: you're a veteran and I want to start off by saying thank you so much for your service. We're in debt to you and all of the people who serve. So thank you for that. But I want to jump in first and just kind of hit it hard. You've written a lot about it. You've talked a lot about it. What is Fearvana?
1: So fearvana is the concept I created that it's fear and nirvana, two seemingly contradictory ideas that I have come to learn are very complementary. And I've learned this through just a lifetime of experience of overcoming drug addiction. I lost two friends to drug addiction and almost was headed down that path myself from joining the Marines, climbing mountains, uh, skiing across polar ice caps, serving in seven months in Iraq as an infantry Marine, where one of my jobs was to walk in front of vehicles looking for bombs before they could be used to blow up and kill me and my fellow Marines doing that to overcoming PTSD, depression, and alcoholism that pushed me to the brink of suicide. So as a collection of all these experiences, it led me to this realization of Nirvana that struggle can be an access point to bliss, that suffering of any kind is actually where the bliss lies. It's, it's through that struggle, through that suffering, that we find happiness.
0: That's amazing. I also didn't realize that I was interviewing the most interesting man in the world.
1: <laughs>
0: I am now interviewing you, which is uh, pretty fun. Well, you say happiness, and that's where I want to take a lot of our discussion is happiness and fear and kind of have this all intersects because truthfully, this all relates to money. And most people might not see that in the beginning, but I think, and I'm hoping that as they listen to you talk and how you give your stories, like there's a lot of relationship between these things and money and, and our behavioral view around money. So in the medical community, there's this saying, it's IGB or it gets better. And it's commonly referred to as you're going through training and in this long, hard process that physicians go through as well as their spouses. You know, we typically say like IGB, it gets better when this is all done and over with, you'll be thankful. But I'm curious on your take of this as kind of an outsider, but a great speaker on this, you know, what does it take to live a happy, wonderful life?
1: Yeah. The nature of happiness is that. I mean, I, can, I can't imagine specifically about the medical community, but we all kind of have that in the society, right? That we're looking for the thing, the result, and we'll be happy when we get there. Whether it be the six pack abs, the million dollars, the dream relationship, the dream car, whatever it be. When we get that thing, then we'll be happy. And we kind of start to discover that we get that thing and oh wait, there's a new problem ahead of us there's always gonna be a new problem. I like to say that progress is not the elimination of problems, progress is the creation of new problems. And when you accept that there will always be a new problem, the faster that you accept that, the faster you will find peace and happiness in the experience of navigating the problem itself. So happiness and fulfillment is not on the other side of the obstacle on the other side of the barrier, it's within the barrier. It's in the problem itself that we find happiness. We frame happiness as if it's this thing that it's the opposite of sadness. But happiness is not the elimination of sadness. It's the ability to find the gift in sadness. So it's not about looking for the end result, looking for that next thing, that next thing, that next thing, because we're always going to have a new problem on the other side. So I like to always say that the paradox of true happiness is that pursuing it leads to greater struggle, but pursuing the struggle, pursuing a worthy struggle will create happiness as a side effect. Happiness is not something that we find by pursuing it. It's a side effect of actually embracing the struggle because there will always be struggle in life. Life is struggle, and that's not a bad thing, though. There is so much beauty in the struggle, so much beauty in suffering, and that's the essence of fear is that fear is an access point to bliss, and at its higher level, suffering of any kind. Like one of my favorite mantras is suffer well. The faster you accept this, the faster you develop a positive relationship to suffering, which is the single most important skill to master in life. Because if you develop a positive relationship to suffering, it doesn't matter whether life punches you in the face, whether you're going through that residency, whether you're going through all these struggles, or whether you're seeking a worthy struggle, you'll be able to smile in the face of that suffering and inevitably... You're going to live a happier and more fulfilling life because you will find beauty in everything, in pain, in joy, in struggle, in bliss, in everything. And there really is bliss available to you in all of those experiences. And all that life experience has taught me that I found bliss in Iraq. I found peace in war. I'm an ultra marathoner today where I experience constant pain running 70 miles, and it's horrible. But I find bliss in that pain, which is why I pursue it.
0: That does sound terrible. I have a friend that does ultramarathon. <laughs> and I see like his before and after photos. And then I did I talk to him like a week later, and he's still like, Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> I'm like, why did you do that to yourself? That is like the opposite of happiness. But I, I think it's really profound. Really, what you're saying is happiness is the side effect of something like struggle or potentially fear on the other side. And did you say it was happiness is the gift of sadness? Is that how you
1: phrased it? I said that happiness is not the elimination of sadness. Happiness is the ability to find the gift in sadness because it's framed as two opposites, right? We think happiness and sadness are two opposites, but they're not. You can actually be happy in sadness. And I know that sounds paradoxical. So let me give you a concrete example. Please. Today, what I do sometimes is I'll consciously watch war movies knowing they make me cry. They will send me into horrible spaces I'll be tearing up. Like, for example, I watch Hacksaw Ridge or that's some scenes from Band of Brothers and knowing they make me cry. But I actually find bliss in the intensity of that pain, bliss in the intensity of that experience. This is why I run ultra marathons. I just did a 72 mile run not too long ago. And at mile 48, I remember sitting there and I was just in this soul crushing low, soul crushing low that everything, life is terrible. I don't want to be here. I hate it. Everything just sucks right now. And yet after that experience, I have zero doubt I'm gonna do another one of these runs because the bliss is actually learning to find gifts in those experiences, in the lows. And the truth is when when you find beauty in the lows, that's when you'll experience higher highs. As a quick reference, another concrete example of this, I just recently spent seven months in the darkness retreat. I mean, sorry, seven days, not seven months, seven days in a darkness retreat where I was in pitch darkness, silence, and isolation for seven days. And when I came out to the light, It was one of the most profound things that I've ever experienced. And I remember sitting there in the light saying that I'm feeling so grateful for every bit of pain that I've ever felt because I realized that you cannot see the light that way unless you've been in the dark first. The way I saw the light after coming out after seven days in darkness, it was, it was unreal. Like, I mean, it was unreal. And I just felt that that was all this in a literal sense, but even in a metaphorical sense, you cannot really see the light unless you've seen the dark. And when you find beauty in engaging that dark you will find beauty in all of the things that life throws at you. And it's very possible. I mean, it's it's actually the best, the most important skill, again, finding beauty in suffering.
0: That's amazing. Thankfully, you didn't spend seven months. No, seven in months the dark. would be intense,
1: for sure. <laughs> I think seven minutes in the dark would be enough for me,
0: but more power to you for seven days. What made you do that? What was the thought process to start
1: that? I still had a fear of stillness. I was really scared of stillness because stillness is when you're still, your demons show up. (laughs) And I had engaged a lot of my demons at this point. The darkness retreat was only a few months ago. So not very long ago. And I I had really conquered a lot of my demons, my survivor's guilt from the war, overcome the PTSD, you know, all of those things. But stillness was still something that kind of scared me. Me being me, I was going to engage stillness in the most extreme and intense way I could possibly find. So I, (laughs) I decided to go spend seven days in this darkness because one of the beautiful things about darkness is by shutting off your visual sense, your soul kind of becomes a mirror to itself. And you're forced to go within. And there's something beautiful in that. It was obviously extremely challenging and intense, but that's where the beauty lies.
0: So you're kind of hitting your fears like head on. And I'm thinking to myself as you're talking about, one, that actually would terrify me to do that. But two, I am terrified of heights. Like I always wanted to kind of skydive just to be like, I'm going to do this and it's going to happen. And then we had kids and I'm like, okay, I'm never doing that. (laughs) Never. And then part of me is like, why would you even think that? Even saying the word skydive, I get some anxiety because then I immediately like visual and I'm like thinking I'm then skydiving. But how would you view that? Like, are you the type of person that's like, just face your fears, just go do it, get it over with, pull the bandaid off
1: kind of deal? Or I don't think you have to engage every fear that that you have kind of thing. It's find The fears that will, that on the other side of, you know, will lead to an evolution, will lead to an internal evolution, a spiritual, personal, psychological, physical e- evolution. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be skydiving. You can do this on a daily basis. I mean, that's why I like ultra running. I mean, every time I go for a long run, I'm terrified because I know I will suffer. You know, I know I'll go through these intense, horrible moments of pain, but it's doing that that leads me to greater confidence that leads me to an evolution of the self. It's through that struggle. So that's why it's, uh, it's just find the fears that are worthy of who, that's why I call it your worthy struggle earlier on. You know, I said, happiness is, is, is pursuing that worthy struggle. So it could be becoming a physician, becoming a doctor. It could be writing a book, running a marathon, whatever it may be. But be clear that that's your worthy struggle, that struggle of worthy of who you are and who you want to be. You know, so when you, you were telling me about how intense it is to become this physician, to go through residency, to go through all these things, to become a doctor, but you have to decide because if you don't do that, there's another struggle waiting for you. So I always like to say, it's not about which passion you want to follow, but which struggle are you willing to endure? Because no matter which path you choose in life at anything, at anything, anything, at any crossroads, there's always going to be a struggle. And the question is, which struggle are you willing to endure?
0: I love that. That is amazing. There's no right path. It's just the path that you're on. Exactly. I think that is so, so amazing. And just the thought process. That's why I was so excited to have you on to talk about this because it, it relates in so many different things, right? And a lot of our listeners, they struggle with things, right? Everyone struggles with things. I struggle with things. Everyone does. Typically I see in a lot around finances or relationships, you know, I'm a part of a group called the dad's married to doctors. One of the big struggles for the dads is sometimes they have a role change where they now, instead of working and being the primary breadwinner, their spouse is the primary breadwinner and they stay at home with the kids. And that is a huge struggle. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You know, I'm curious to know like your approach, your thought process on what advice would you give to people listening that are struggling? And, and I don't care if it's something really small or something really big, like how do they tackle that? How, do, how should their viewpoint maybe change?
1: fundamentally, like at its core, before I get to maybe some more tangible things is to reframe your relationship to struggle. If you say words like struggle, fear, stress, anxiety, suffering, adversity, pain, you hear those words. Nobody thinks of those words as positive words, right? I mean, you could do this and you can say this anywhere. And when I do talks in, in Liberia and in India, Singapore here, nobody thinks of these words as positive words. And that's the biggest problem. And this is a hard thing to grasp, right? Because these experiences are challenging, but they're not negative. They're more challenging than let's say happiness or, you know, joy or calm or whatever, but they're not negative. But we've lived in a world that has demonized these experiences. We say things like be fearless, conquer your fears, eliminate stress. We attach words like disorder to anxiety. None of these things are the enemy. Once you accept that, just that mindset shift will alter you. Just accepting that, oh, okay. These things can be beautiful. And then pausing to notice, what is the beauty in this? How can I smile in the face of this? Seeking it out, recognizing, choosing, you know, and and once you, like developing that positive relationship to suffering is fundamental. So that's the core, just shifting your mindset to the experience of suffering. And again, it's going to be hard because no matter what, you're going to go through it. And in the experience of it, it will be challenging. Of course, that's the nature of suffering. But find that, seek it out, embrace it, practice it, train in it. This is, again, why I love ultra why I love going to the gym, why I built a business, why I wrote a book. Everything that I've done worthwhile, joining the Marines, climbing mountains, has been an exercise in pure misery, <laughs> you know? And that's what makes it worthwhile. So when you train in suffering, it'll actually help you develop a positive relationship to it. So that's kind of one element is just the mindset shift in the nature of suffering itself. And then at the core, you got to ask yourself, see, in life, there's only two things you can control your actions or your attitude, unless you're in like a war zone, you have the luxury to control both. And so you got to ask yourself, okay, what can I do here? So, you know, you, we all have choices again, unless we're in, in this very intense life or death scenario, but we have choices. So what can I control here? Can I control my actions? Can I control my attitude and getting clear on that, that, you know, I have two things that I can control. That's ultimately it. And then all growth is really two things. Find the problem, fix the problem, find what's working and do more of it. So I like to really simplify. That's why it's just simplifying these two things and then just checking in. Okay, what can I change here? What can I do here? Okay, what's the problem? Fix that problem. What's working? Do more of it. And just fixing one problem at a time. Because as I said, progress is not the elimination of problems. It's the creation of new problems. So you could be, whether you're a father, whether you're working this job, there's going to be some problem. So find the problem, fix the problem, and then either shift your attitude and response to it or shift your actions and that's ultimately us taking responsibility for our choices and again it's not I'm not saying it's easy by no means do I claim any of this stuff is easy but that's what it really boils down to
0: yeah none of this is easy a lot of this stuff i mean is is understanding your mindset and behaviors and you know as we talk on the show a lot is the behavioral finance piece of all of this it's not as simple as throwing your information in a calculator and be like oh that's the easiest thing i'll do that There's always a give and a take and a pro and a con. There's, there's always different ways to look at it. As you keep talking, I just keep thinking of something that someone had asked me is like, if you had all the money in the world, would you retire? And I'm like, no, I love what I do. I maybe work less. Absolutely. But retire, not a chance. Like I love what I'm doing. And I just think, you know, as I'm hearing this, it's like, enjoy the journey. The journey is where it's at. Not even at the, as that saying goes, it gets better. It's really enjoying even the hard struggles and the the things that are, you would view as negative. Yeah. My wife spending every four fourth night in the hospital. That is not a positive experience for me and I'm sure it's not a positive experience for her, but there's some beauty in that. And that comes to my next question. If someone's not in touch with their feelings or their emotions of as much as they could be, if they're maybe just starting this or they're thinking like, God, what are these guys talking about? Like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, How do
1: they find the beauty in these things? How can they practice that? Just, I mean, a simple exercise literally anybody can do is start labeling your emotions. Start becoming aware of your emotions. Neuroscience has actually shown that when you label an emotion, it reduces activity in the emotional parts of your brain and increases activity in your prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain associated with focus and awareness. So when you start noticing, like, I mean, you can do this when you're in the line at Starbucks or just set a timer on your phone every hour and just notice, okay, what am I feeling? So it's called like, so go meta. It's called meta is rising above the thing to look at the thing. So meta awareness is becoming aware of your awareness and just pause. What am I feeling right now? What's my, what are my thoughts right now? What's going through me right now? And the more you start doing this, the more you will start becoming aware of what is. And once you become aware of what is, then you can choose who you want to be outside of what is. See, there is a space between our thoughts, our feelings, and our experiences, because we are not those things. We are not our thoughts, our feelings, and our experiences. We are the thinker of our thoughts, the feeler of our feelings, and the experiencer of our experiences. And we have to first recognize there is a space between those things and who we choose to be outside of those things. So just start practicing, train and noticing those things first. What am I feeling right now? What am I thinking right now? Once you become aware, then you can actually master the space between what is and who you choose to be outside of what is. And that space is everything. That space is literally your destiny. That space will shape the quality of your life and what you do in that space between the emotion, the thought, the experience, and you as the higher observer of those things. So labeling is one thing. Meditation will teach you to practice that space. My favorite way, which you hear me talk about a lot, is suffering. Suffering is a training ground in mastering that space because when you like, like running, when you're in horrible pain, when you're exercising, when you're going through suffering, you have to rise above the pain to keep moving forward. And it teaches you that you can be in pain and still rise above that pain to keep moving forward. So I think I like to think of it that suffering is a training ground in self transcendence, rising above, transcending the self to move through whatever the thing is, not just in service of something greater than the self, but in service of the self as well. Self-transcendence is the essence of a life well-lived, I believe. And, and self-transcendence, self-transcendence is about mastering that space. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so profound and powerful. You know, I encourage everyone to rewind the last minute and a half, two minutes, and just listen to that piece again, because it is so important. That is so important. And that's something I mean, I'm continually working on is trying to understand my emotions. And I see it a bit differently just because I relate a lot of stuff to finance. My brain works in numbers and not as much as emotions. So it's the way that I kind of cope and can understand and deal with things, whether it's right or wrong. It's just, you know, so whatever that is for you, try to embrace it and just enjoy the journey. And as much as I I mean, that was so amazing. I almost want to be like, and we're done because like, I don't know how you're going to top that. No, no pressure. But I did have one more thing that I wanted to discuss because you have so much great literature and I want you to tell everyone in a minute, like where they can hear all about that in your book and all this great stuff. But in one of your articles, you said that we're wired to want in a world with too many wants and how our brain manipulates us into wanting, seeking, desiring, and craving things that will not make us happy. How do we ever fight back against that? How do we How do we actually approach that?
1: At the starting point is becoming aware that like notice that, okay, I want this thing. That's why we're not actually wired to be even financially successful because most people spend more and God knows I've been there too. We spend more than we have. We keep spending credit card debt, right? Because we, we love the chase. We love that next thing, the next thing, the next thing. That's what I mean when I say we're wired to want it's, we releases dopamine, which is a joy hormone in our brain. So we keep wired to wanting that thing. And it ties back into like, actually, like you said about the journey, right? The journey is the destination. So the more you actually start training yourself and recognizing that this thing is not going to make me happy, the less you start wanting that thing. And I touch on this a lot because it really boils down to every, everything. Uh, there's a reason that that's what the essence of fear of is, is struggle and suffering. When you actually find beauty in struggle and seek out struggle, it has you remove all those wants. As, as a runner now, I get my dopamine highs from that. I find beauty in the pain, not in the wanting of the things, in the experience of life, not in the wanting of things around me in life. And then research has also shown, science has shown that experiences will make us happier than things, right? We love the ex- experiences of life. So experience life and you don't need to, I mean, I love traveling as well, but you don't need to go to the other end of the world to do that. You can do that in your backyard. You can go, I mean, go for a walk with your spouse, right? Like enjoy a sunset, experience life. And the more you cease that experience, the more you really embrace it, the less you will actually start wanting things and seeking out the next joy and that kind of shallow happiness Because you will find a deeper depth to the process of the journey itself. As I like to say, the journey is the destination, engage whatever emotions that come up in the process as well kind of tying into our point if you want to add one more thing is about navigating emotions as, as i was thinking it is actually consciously engage whatever emotions you struggle with so i'm talking about once too if it's like happiness if you're feeling sad consciously engage that emotion so like one thing again i was t- talking about how i watch war movies because i consciously engage guilt because I feel that guilt. So sorry, that was kind of side note from the question, but it reminded me of it, tying it to the emotion questions. But that's how you really navigate it is just really fundamentally becoming aware that you're going to keep wanting, start practicing experiencing life and experiencing the journey and uh, enjoying that journey itself. And you and again, that's why I believe that struggle and, exp- and pushing yourself into struggle is the training ground for self transcendence and for for experiencing the uh, for embracing the journey and understanding that the journey itself is the destination.
0: Yeah. I love it so much. And that's why when I was researching guests, like I I told you for the show and all of a sudden I'm like, where did two and a half hours of my time go? And it was because I was consuming all the amazing stuff that you're putting out, just such a thought leader. And it's just, it's so refreshing to read and to think differently about these because it does have a financial impact and I love it so much. So I honestly want to go on for like two more hours with this stuff, but I want you to tell everyone who has not found you like guys and gals, please go check his stuff out is amazing. But where can they find more about you
1: and what you're up to? So you can find out more about me at fearvana.com. That's F-E-A-R-V-A-N-A, fearvana.com. And the book is on uh, Amazon. Fearvana is on Amazon and Kindle, Audible and hard copy. All the profits from the book are going to charity as well. So know that you'll be supporting worthy causes by picking up the book. And uh, yeah, and so fearvana.com is a place to find me.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show, accepting to come on. And it was a pleasure to have you and to talk with you.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure as well.
0: Well, that was such an amazing interview and there could have been like a hundred takeaways, but I'm going to leave you with three that I want you to walk away with. So takeaway number one, When you think fear is what holds you back from growing or achieving your goals, it actually can do the opposite. And according to Akshay, any type of fear that leads to suffering is the reason we experience happiness. So in essence, happiness is the ability to find the gift in fear and in sadness. And he said this.
1: That struggle can be an access point to bliss. That suffering of any kind is actually where the bliss lies. It's through that struggle, through that suffering that we find happiness.
0: Takeaway number two, when you think there is no way out of a situation and you've identified that it's a struggle you really want to overcome, Akshay says you change your perspective to see the change. And honestly, he said it much better. So let's hear from him.
1: These experiences are challenging, but they're not negative They're more challenging than let's say happiness or, you know, joy or calm or whatever, but they're not negative. But we've lived in a world that has demonized these experiences. We say things like be fearless, conquer your fears, eliminate stress. We attach words like disorder to anxiety. None of these things are the enemy. Once you accept that, just that mindset shift will alter you. Just accepting that, oh, okay, these things can be beautiful.
0: Last but not least, remember when Akshay introduced us to meta-awareness? Well, he recommended for us to label our emotions so that we could reduce the effect of them impacting
1: our state of mind. Rising above the thing to look at the thing. So meta-awareness is becoming aware of your awareness. And just pause. What am I feeling right now? What are my thoughts right now? What's going through me right now? And the more you start doing this, the more you will start becoming aware of what is. And once you become aware of what is, then you can choose who you want to be outside of what is.
0: And I just want to introduce one little quote that he said, and he actually said it off air, but I thought it was amazing. So I wrote it down and he said, if you don't seek out that worthy struggle, struggle will find you anyway. For our quick community update, we just did some planning for 2020. And I can tell you that the next year will hands down be the biggest and best year that financial residency will experience. As we continue to touch thousands and thousands of lives each episode, 400,000 downloads and counting, which is crazy, I am just so blessed and happy to have you all here with us, being a part of the community and being amazing. It would be an immense help if you could continue sharing this podcast with other physicians and their families so we can continue our work in helping physicians all around the country take control over their finances. Now, 2020 is, like I said, shaping up to be amazing. The launch of Financial Fellowship, the launch of the Financial Residency book, and a second book that's coming out in October that's pretty much 80% done. Yes, that's the first time I've said it. It's happening. I'm so excited. A website redesign that has been in the works for months And we're actually adding other physician writers to the team. And so like I had mentioned back with her episode, but so excited to have Dr. Kathy Carroll, who's a physician and a CFA, brilliant, has joined the writing team to bring high quality content on real estate investing to the website. We just started publishing those articles. So make sure if you're interested in real estate investing, make sure you go and check those out at financialresidency.com. I can't wait for all of these things to be released. We've been working so hard to do it all for you guys. It's going to be amazing. Just thank you again so much for being a part of the community and I hope you continue to enjoy and listen to the show. So have a great week. See you guys on Wednesday. Cheers. Hey everyone, listen up real quick. As your host of the Financial Residency Podcast, I'm not an attorney, a psychic, nor do I play one on TV. I'm glad you came here to learn and get excited about your finances. There's no purchase necessary to win, but you do need to know that your money decisions should be talked through with someone knowledgeable about your situation, and that person isn't me, unless you're already a client, then that's a different story. So consult your attorney, CPA, or heck me, a fee-only financial planner, to help you get you on your feet the right way.